up, everybody, and welcome to the NFL Roadshow, episode 200. How about that? Holy moly, time flies. And man, I appreciate you guys listening to this show, which has been so much fun for me to do, especially after so many years in a host role on television where my primary job was to like get us from point A to point B and to ask other people questions. This has been a really fun outlet for me to explore what my opinions are. And after 20 plus years as a journalist around various athletes and coaches and 15 years now covering the NFL, I do have a few opinions I have found. And so it's been fun for me to flex those muscles that really hadn't been utilized that much prior to this show's existence. And then also, and way more importantly, it's been a great avenue for me to have the conversations that I want to have with people who can make me smarter and more well-rounded in terms of my opinions and knowledge about the game. I am definitely someone who likes to be in rooms full of people who are smarter than me and who I can learn from. And so I'm thankful on brand this week uh, to Sirius for giving me the opportunity to have those conversations regularly here, like the one that I'm going to have today with the one and only soon-to-be Hall of Fame wide receiver, I'm going to keep speaking that into existence, Tori Holt, everybody, is joining me today. He's an eight-time semifinalist for the Hall of Fame. He's been a finalist three times. One of these days, it is going to happen. Dude went eight straight years with 1,000-plus receiving yards, and we all know about his role in The Greatest Show on Turf. Big fan of Tori right here, of him as a person too. Just a really good dude. And I'm excited to talk to him about the games from this week. Unfortunately, we saw a couple pretty good pass catchers go down with injury. Kyle Pitts and Wandale Robinson both out for the rest of the year with torn ACLs. For fantasy purposes, quick aside, I just had this conversation with my son actually, who lost Goddard last week and Pitts yesterday. I think people who this hurts in fantasy, should go grab Trey McBride immediately today and put him on your bench. That way, if he plays well tonight on Monday Night Football, you don't have to compete for him on the waiver wire. And if he doesn't, you can drop him and go get somebody else on the wire. And speaking of Arizona, it looks like it's going to be Colt McCoy starting for them at quarterback tonight as Kyler Murray works his way back from a hamstring injury. Jeremy Fowler from ESPN is reporting that we might not see Kyler until after their week 13 bye. So we'll see if Colt can get some dubs for them. It's been a tough year for Kyler and the Cardinals. Already saw some people in Arizona this past week calling for Colt to be the guy moving forward regardless of injury. And I think that that's potentially a little extreme, but we'll see. If he's given a few weeks, what he can do. I think it's reasonable to be calling for a backup quarterback in New York this week. Zach Wilson putting up a uh, 9 for 22 for 77 yards passing line yesterday in a very underwhelming day for uh, both offenses there in Foxborough. Braden Mann from the Jets got more work in that game than any other punter has this season. Ten punts in the game. Jets went three and out five straight times in the second half. On their way to a season low, again, not just for the Jets, but for the entire NFL, 103 yards of offense on the day. Weirdly, the eight-win Vikings weren't that much better with 183 yards of offense and seven straight punts to close out the day before their last drive ran out of time. 
that game a 40-3 to final score, and there's a lot to discuss there with Tori about the Cowboys' dominance and the Vikings' ineptitude. From a margin of victory standpoint, the game changes the overall look of those two teams pretty dramatically. First, the Vikings, they started the day plus 35 in point differential on the season, ended it minus two to create a really unappealing picture of the NFC North, where every single team is net negative in scoring on the year. Almost the exact opposite is true for the NFC East, where only the commanders are upside down at minus nine. Cowboys went from plus 45 to plus 84. They jumped ahead of the Eagles to lead the way in the NFC in point differential, which we heard Ben Baldwin tell us last week was a generally good indicator of which teams are actually good and which teams are not. Though I can't help but wonder if he'd put the Cowboys in the same category that he put the Bengals last week as a team that's kind of tough to read because of how much work a few games, or in this case, one game, is doing for them in this department. Also noteworthy, since we're talking about um, margin of victory, every single team in the AFC East is net positive in points. Every single one, with the Bills way out in front at plus 107. Only team in the AFC West, which we all thought was going to be so good coming into the year, that is uh, positive in this department is Kansas City, who won a great game at SoFi on Sunday night, a game that I actually went to. I told you guys last week I was real bummed to have to miss the game. I didn't think I was going to go. I was having FOMO in a way that this particular homebody does not normally experience. I'm fine staying home and watching on TV, but Michael Fabiano called me up and said, hey, I have an extra ticket. And I'm so glad I went. I had a blast. I sat in the Westwood One suite at the beginning of the game, which came with the added benefit of a live national radio call happening in the row behind me. And as a person who really likes having a call while watching a game, but isn't quite willing to go so far as to like bring a radio and headphones and be that person, I very much appreciated Ross Tucker and Tom McCarthy uh, calling the game right behind me. And we tried to be quietish so that they could do their job professionally. Uh, then... I went down to one of those field boxes uh, that Sean Merriman, friend of the pod, got us in and watched the second half pretty much from the field. I felt kind of bad, though, because my seat was right next to the tunnel where the Chargers players walk off. And I just kept thinking, how cool would this spot be for like a kid or a massive fan who never got to be that close to the players? And I was just there like kind of playing it cool. But it was fun watching the game from that perspective and trying to relax and be a fan because that's not really been my experience all that much, which is where I want to start today's conversation with Tori, who is set to join me now. Let's break the huddle. Hurry up, let's go! Two on, two on, two. Ready? Ready? My guy, first of all, I went to a game yesterday. Do you go to many games these days? I, I, I go to about... Three or four college games here in okay. NC State in, in Raleigh, where I live. And I go to about three or four Rams games a year. Last year, obviously, we went to a lot more because we were. Because <laughs> it was fun. It was fun. <laughs> it was playoffs. You know, it was a lot on the line. It was Super Bowl, Super Bowl right there. And so far, so last year was incredible. But yeah, so I, I, I get to games every year. I, I enjoy. And, and I enjoy getting back out to the college as well as getting back out to SoFi and getting out to LA to, to see the team and, and visit what, with the fans. What are you like at games? Because I so infrequently go to games as a fan. 
that I always feel awkward when I am at the games as a fan because I have spent so many years in press boxes over the years, Tori, where the number one rule is you cannot cheer in the press box. And I am like straight face neutral. And every time I have gone to a game as a fan, I sit there and and dwell on how awkward the experience is for me because everyone around me is so happy and I am so conditioned to not react to anything that I'm like the least fun person. I have to like purposefully bring that out of me, you know? Yeah, yeah. Well, I will, if I was beside, I'd be, I'd be hitting, I'd be nudging you like, come on, Liz, like show some emotion here. Like, come on, get into it. Now it's, I, um, I, I enjoy the games. I mean, I, I ride the wave of the, the, my emotions ride the wave of the game. They, yeah. they really do. Um, and if I see something, I may blurt it out or I may keep it to myself and see if that, that particular person or particular group corrects it. Um, so I'm, I'm all over the place, but I am, um, I'm I'm just like any other other fan. I pull for my team. I'm into it, um, and I and I enjoy the I enjoy the competition. I, I really do. It's, it's cool to be a fan and to be a, be on this side of of it now, and to actually be able to express and show those emotions pulling for your for your favorite team. Do people that are around you always want to talk about the game with you? Well, like, typically, you know- typically, if I'm if 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 I am in if I'm at at a game in in, in Raleigh at a, at a state game, and, and if I'm sitting in the stands, which I I rarely do, but if I am, yeah, we talk ball and strategy. They mean they want they be wanting to know some in depth <laughs> and some inside scoop of what. Do you enjoy like, that, or are you like God, give me a break? No, okay. no, I, I do because I can always, you know, I I have a way of saying, okay, enough's enough. Let me let me watch the game. I don't have a problem sharing that with people. So, and then people also give me my space when I'm out in Los Angeles at the games. We're typically in the legend suite. So, yeah. and if Jackie's there, it's definitely going to be some back and forth about the game, about the players and other guys too. But now for the most part, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's cool being. Wait, being if who cool. is there? If Jackie Slater is. Oh, okay. At the games. Cause Jackie likes to talk about the teams and the strategy and the coaches and, you know, he gets really into it. With you or um, with other people around? With other you? people. Yeah. With other okay. people, with other people, with other people. Yeah. I mean, um, you know, even with with Orlando and Roland Williams and guys that are there, Isaac, guys that are the Jim Everett, guys that are in the building, we talk about, yes, we talk about the game and the team and the strategy, but we also can remove ourselves and get into our fandom as well. Uh, yeah. So that's 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 the cool part about it. I, 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 enjoy that. I was in a box with, um, or like one of those, you know, field boxes. So we were like behind the, um, the Chargers bench, couldn't see anything. You know, I'm pretty oh, much wow. watching the game. I'm like, this is great for an ambiance uh, purposes. And like, there's, you know, players right here. And for a fan, this is an awesome experience, the way that the those field boxes are set up at SoFi. But yeah. I had to watch the game on the big screen, pretty much. But uh, Sean Merriman was there with us. And I was yeah. like, I wanted to pull him aside and be like, so Chargers run defense. Like, what's going on? How are people having so much success? And then I was like, but I kind of, you know, it's like people do this to him all day long, but I don't know. So I kind of played it cool. And oh, okay. well, he, he, he wouldn't, you know, a lot of times, a lot of times the guys that I've been around, they don't mind it. Um, yeah. Because again, because they're mature enough they're they can tell that person that talks. Okay. All right, I am watching the game. You know, let me get back to, you know, that's a way that you can do that. So he probably wouldn't have mind. Sean's a pro. Sean's a pro. He, he knows. <laughs> Second question. When you do go to a game at night, does it mess with your sleep routine? Because this is the thing that I've now, I haven't gone to games for a very long time. Right. So 
but I used to cover games on the reg. Like when I do a Laker game or a Dodger game or whatever, yeah. you're getting home at like 11 o'clock and I would stay up till like two in the morning. And that was my routine because I could never walk in the door yeah. and then just come down energetically. Absolutely. So Absolutely. are you that person that can, I cause I found that again last night. I was like, everyone in the house is asleep and I'm like laying in bed on my phone. Like yeah. I'm not even close. No, yeah. I can't do this. I am I'm, because of the adrenaline of the game. And yes. again, if you're truly cheering and involved and emotionally attached to the game, it takes a while for you to come down. Yep. Um, you know, I, I, I go back to last year when we were coming to Los Angeles for all the Rams games and every game was huge, particularly towards the end. And I just remember coming from away from those games and just sitting on the bus on our way back to the to the hotel as if I had just played in a game. <laughs> That's how my emotions, how high my emotions were about watching the Rams play and, and compete and and play for something meaningful and, and to see them have success. And then you can only imagine how I felt when they won the Super Bowl. I mean, we went we yeah. went from the the game which we were. Oh man, we we were just screaming and yelling and just having a good time, dancing with the fans and just cheering. Then get on the bus, try to calm down, and then we got and then we got a little bit of rest, and then we went to the to the uh, the Super Bowl party. Hi. So <laughs> it took me all the rest of that night to, to come down uh, from that. But yeah, I'm I'm that person too, uh, Liz. My emotions run pretty high, and it takes me a while to to calm down. Almost exactly how it was when I played. Well, uh, that Chiefs Chargers game kind of fit the bill for the things that you were talking about last night. Uh, there were so many, uh, like it, it, you know, it lived up to the hype of yeah. why they flexed it to prime time. Certainly, uh, looked like a game worthy of that type of placement. My son woke up this morning and said, "I mean, Mahomes and Kelsey, like they're going to win the title just because they have those two guys. It's not even fair." And I'm not sure that that's like really in-depth analysis, but it might not be inaccurate. <laughs> I think he's, you know, we saw it. I mean, the world saw it last night. I mean, those two dudes are so special and so connected. And, and what I like too, it, it, it takes me back to my days with the greatest show on turf and how Lindsay, we would sell, we enjoyed celebrating each other's success. And we were so on cue with one another. We were so linked. Um, it was just, it's 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 genuine. It seems to be genuine between Kelsey and, and Mahomes. And when they need to show up in the biggest of stages, they they do. They typically do. So it, it gives you, gives your son, gives the Chiefs fans every reason to feel confident that their team can go mm-hmm. the, the 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 you know the the long way. I mean, you know, the to to championship to playoff championship type of ability. I mean, they just they exude that type of confidence. And then they also, more importantly, they show it on the field. It doesn't, it seems like no matter what the situation is with Patrick Mahomes, and I said, I've said this all year long, and I've been saying it for a while. When you go to the black top, you know, you, you know, I want to go, I want to go play with Pat Mahomes. I want, I want to play with Lamar Jackson. I want to play with this person. These guys, you know, you got a pretty good opportunity of winning every time. Yeah. And that's the confidence. That's the poise. That's the championship pedigree that Patrick Mahomes and uh, Travis Kelsey, that's what they showcase. What do the Chargers need to do in order to get there? Because I feel like, so this year, they've had so many injuries that I think you can kind of explain away what's happened this year. But to be in that game last night and to have the opportunity and then to have the end of the game go the way that it did, it just felt like, you know, I walked up into the Westwood one 
radio booth afterward and they were still doing their post game show and they were talking about how the chargers always do this this always happens to the chargers yeah. like that the narrative of the chargers chargering you know is at it again and yeah. i am a huge fan of justin herbert i think he's so freaking good that it has to turn around you know from a franchise standpoint but what do you make of of the fact that they've always find themselves in this situation. Yeah, I, I think it, I think it will, I think with Justin Herbert there and some core guys there that continue to build around him, I think they'll have a chance to really truly compete you know, for playoff contention and really go, go to, you know, go the distance. Um, they just hadn't been able to close teams out. I mean, you, you think about the Minnesota Vikings and all the games they won other than against the Cowboys the other day, they've been in tight games, right. But they've been able to close those games out. Uh-huh with interceptions or whatever it is uh, to seal the game. And, and the, the, the charges have just fell short of that. It's not a lack of talent. They got plenty of talent on that, on the defensive side of the ball um, as well as offensively, but they just haven't been able to close teams out. And it seems like Kansas city, you know, Kansas city just has their number. Kansas city has a lot of teams in that division number. Um, but it, it's it's just Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey, Eric Bieniemy, Andy Reid, and those. They're just better than the Chargers at the bigger moments, and that's to me is what's plagued the Chargers. They haven't well, been it, good good enough in the bigger moments. Well, and you kind of mentioned it, you know, when you were in the greatest show on turf, like how you kind of have this sense of like, we're going to get this done. Like yeah. it kind of starts to snowball and just the mentality of expectation. It's an intangible thing, but it translates in some way to what happens on the field. And I wonder if the reverse is true for the chargers. If you're just kind of waiting in the back of your mind, as much as yeah. you try to block it out, like what is going to happen here and how do I guard against that? And then that ends up, you know, leading to the the worst case scenario happening. Yeah, well, they just got to keep playing and play through that. I mean, that that may be in the back of their minds for some of them because of. Do you think it is, or do you think that's just what we project onto them? No, I I I, I think it could be on some folks' minds, but a lot of that is projected on the team. I think the team is just saying, "Hey, we just gotta," you know, you keep you hear a lot of the cliche things, man. We we gotta make one play more than the other team. That's really true, Lance. It really is. I mean, as simple as it sounds and as cliche as it sounds, it's really true. They just haven't made enough plays at the big of a moment, big of moments. When, when when it's needed. And again, it has nothing to do with lack of talent. I think they got a really good coaching staff, terrific players at all phases, all positions. Just haven't been able to make enough of the plays uh, to win. But they'll, they'll get their chance. They'll get their chance. But right now, Kansas City is the, is the toast of that division. They have yeah. the psychological, the physical advantage. Um, the battle-tested advantage over anybody right now in that division. And it shows. You mentioned the Chargers coaching staff as being uh, one that you like. Are you not somebody that hates the way that Staley goes for it and the game management decisions? I mentioned I was standing next to Sean Merriman. There was a fourth down situation that came up and he was screaming from the box, like, go for it, go for it. I was like, dude, it's Staley. Of course he's going to go for it. But then I was like, do you like that he goes for it? And he was like, a hundred percent. I would be that guy on the sideline yelling in his ear. Obviously he's a defensive guy going go for it. Like yeah. do this, be aggressive and let's go get a win. What do you make of Staley's um, in-game decisions like that? Yeah, I'm, I'm okay with it. You know, I, I think he's naturally a, uh, an aggressive person um, and he acts on it, but mm-hmm. at the same time too, I'm like, Hey, some of this is a feel thing too. We got to make sure that we are also, 
I, I, I dig that they are resorting to the analytics and the analytics spew out this um, this information for them to make their decisions. But it's also to a field game to football. Sports is still a field thing. You have to feel the pulse of the team where they are. Um, so I think it's a I think if you can if you can balance it out, I'm totally with it. But at the same time, I like I'm with Sean. I, players like that aggressive nature of their coach because it's, it says to them the player that the coach believes in us it believe they believe he believes that they can execute whatever that tough situation is how do you walk that line trying to get a feel for something like things can be going negatively and not working for you and we've all seen games where like just one play flips the switch and that's the momentum shift how do you know when to like ride the this is not working for us and to know like okay, I, I have a feeling that we can turn this around if we just make a big play and take a chance. Yeah, I think these coaches have, I mean, they coaches and players have played enough football, so they they understand and get a feel for, for momentum. Um, whether it's fluky or whether you're actually getting your ass kicked. Correct. I mean, and, and we know that too. <laughs> <laughs> right. Like this guy is actually just playing much better than I am. Right, let's, exactly. We, let's we get this that. done with. Yeah, yeah. yeah, exactly. So I think, but it's it's also player coach coach player communicating that, um, staying on that same frequency. That How does a player point. communicate that? Yo, dog, he's just way better than me. This is not oh, going to turn oh, around. Oh, 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 if it's going the other, oh, if it's going the other way. <laughs> well, I'm just yeah. I'm just... <laughs> yeah, I don't know how he communicates that. <laughs> but if I'm the one that's doing the damage, I'm certainly communicating. Coach, that's true. He can't guard me. <laughs> can you the imagine the other way he's like but can real talk now you should not go for it this is right. not going to work out well for us <laughs> oh my god is that what zach wilson needs to do in new york zach wilson needs to grow up Lindsay. zach wilson needs to grow up and you know when i, I was over in and i was over in london for for a month the whole month of october uh, and I was covering weeks five, five through eight, and uh, we we caught a couple of the Jets games. And that defense is fantastic. Quentin Williams and Franklin Myers and those guys, Clemens, who's the second round, third round draft pick that they had, incredible defense is incredible. Plays phenomenal ball. I mean, think about what they uh, think about yesterday against the against the Patriots. The Patriots moved the ball up and down, but no points. None. Yep. Uh, you know, Mac I mean, Jones field goal. Mac yeah. Jones completed. I mean, he threw the ball. I mean, he was completing. Pretty much everything that he threw, but no points in 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 Zach Wilson and that offense, uh, particularly Zach, he's he's got to grow up. He really does, and and really understand where he is and the opportunity that he has in the team that he's around, or is he just not that good? Well, and if he is just not that good, how should he handle that? Because when he is at the podium yesterday and I saw the quotes before I actually listened to the clip. And so I went and listened to the clip and and I think it actually was what everyone said it was. Because sometimes, you know, it kind of gets um, blown out of proportion. You're like, well, what are they supposed to say? Really? Like, you're like, hey, did you blow it? And did you let everyone down? Like what's someone supposed to say as an answer to that? Like they're naturally going to get defensive, but it wasn't even worded that way. It was like the defense did such a great job. And do you feel like the offense let the defense down? Like even it was vague enough that it wasn't pointing the finger specifically at him. So it was an easy way to say like, yeah, we yes, need to get better. Need to get better. Yeah, yeah. Right. It wasn't yeah, he, like, yes, I suck. Thank you very much for pointing that out. It wasn't even like that. Right. Again, to me, a, a lack of maturity, just a, just a lack of awareness. Uh, he, he thinks he's acting as if he's better than what he is. 
and his teammates, we all, the coaching staff, everyone that watches watches football know that he was, they were not good yesterday. They were, and the coaches, coach, I think coach uh, Salah said they were dog ass. (laughs) They were dog shit. Uh, I think Gary Wilson also had some comments about how, you know, they were not good. So why isn't Zach, who's the sole controller of the offense, echoing those same sentiments? And again, showing just being too, being immature, being too braggadocious, just being too cocky in a situation where it wasn't needed. And I think I think the head coach is trying to do everything that he can to not lose the locker room because of a decision that he makes with Zach Wilson at this point of the season. So um, I feel like I, the easiest way to lose the locker room now is to stick with him. There, there were reports that uh, from, you know, New York people that those comments from Zach Wilson did not go over well in the locker room. I'm sure. I'm sure they didn't. I'm sure. I'm, I'm sure it didn't. But. The 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 coach has to he, the coach will have to make a tough decision on whether he goes with Zach or if he goes with uh, Flacco. Flacco, yeah. Because I don't think it's a the the kid has talent. I think the kid is the kid is the kid is smart. He's 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 just um he's just not getting it. He's just not getting it. He's not getting it, you know, from a physical standpoint. Some of the things that he's doing, the Aaron throws. I go back to the the, the loss against the Patriots in the first loss, and he was he, he was making unillivised throws, just immature mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, attitude that he has. So until he grows up and matures and gets better, there they, they'll this this will this problem. I think Liz can could could continue um, here over the next couple of weeks, but. I think coach, the head coach is certainly behind his starting quarterback. You can hear that in the in the in, in his post game pressers. Yeah, um, he's certainly behind his quarterback. His quarterback's got to help his head coach make with the decision. And the way that he can do that is play a lot better than what he's playing. If you were a wide receiver on that team, I mean, forget the defense because the defense is balling out. Right, like the defense is putting them in games. They they have been way more competitive this year yeah. than I thought that they were going to yeah. be. Just looking at the offensive roster, I didn't think that this was going to happen. So they have a chance. Um, I, I'm at a point, I, and I understand wanting to develop Zach Wilson. I'm kind of at the point where I'm like, you know what, like put a quarterback out there as a professional quarterback and let's give us a chance to actually win some of these games that we have a chance to win. And we're not winning. Like that was a, that was a game that was decided by a punt return for touchdown. Yeah, man. That was the only game since yeah. 1994 where the only touchdown scored was a punt return. Like and we could have set the over under in that game at 10 and we would have been sweating it the F out. Like yeah. from a betting standpoint, 10. like what yeah. are we talking about here? And, it was a hundred percent winnable. Yeah, it was. And the Jets typically have been pretty good all year on special teams. I mean, they made some plays on special teams and helped win games. They just they oh, got, yeah. caught, on, they got mm-hmm. caught on that particular one. But but the the, the Jets, when they when Brees Hall was in the lineup, it, whether, whether, whether it was with Flacco or whether it was with Zach Wilson, he's no longer there. We know that. The Jets have to run the football. That's that's where it starts. They gotta they gotta continue running the football. And then and then having some play action passes and things off of that run game to help Zach in terms of better lane, passing lanes, some more, maybe some more one-on-one opportunities, some, some things to settle this young man down. And then if you can't do, if you can't do the basics, those basics well enough over the next, whatever period, they're going to continue to go with him. Then, then you got to say, Hey, look, 
then you got to make a then you have to make a decision on what's what's best for this football team. But coach, the head coach is in a tough pickle right now. That's for sure because his defense is playing so well, giving him an opportunity to win. Yeah, and the offense is failing the team right now. I mean, two yards on twenty six plays in the second half. Like, come on now, you can't. That's, do that. that's not professional football. You know that. How did the Vikings Cowboys game get so out of hand? I wrote it down right here, Liz. Dallas forty runs. Yep. Dak Prescott twenty two of twenty five, two touchdowns, zero interceptions. He protected the football on the road. That was really good. So your defense isn't out there all the time. Your defense can recharge and the way that defense was playing yesterday they can beat anybody they had seven sacks they held the vikings potent offense to just three points no justin jefferson sightings a lot yesterday nope. no explosive plays for the minnesota vikings yesterday offensively large part large part because of dallas's coverage dallas's ability to get after kirk cousins so that's what i saw Lindsay in that game which allowed dallas to get to was allow that game to get out of hand and with the two, with, with Tony Pollard and Ezekiel Elliott, they, they, they're so good together. Yep. Oh, it's, it's, it's just, it's just, oh, it's, it's just, it's a sweet potato pie and vanilla ice cream when I watch them. It's just so good. They're just so good. I mean, Zeke's downhill ability to run the football. Zeke is such a pro. I love Zeke Elliott and yeah. how he plays. He's a, such a professional football player running back. He's outstanding. And then Tony Pollard, the change of pace, ability to catch the ball out of the backfield. He showed speed yesterday. You can also run between the tackles on the edges. Dallas, this Dallas football team is very dangerous. Can they? The thing is, is sustaining that week after week after week will be uh, is, is what I'm looking forward to watching as we go down the stretch with this Cowboys team. I kind of think the Vikings lost the game that it got away from them in the second quarter yeah. after they went down 10 yeah. 3 and they stopped running the ball. So, first quarter, they were totally balanced 7 7. Dalvin was averaging 5.7 yards a carry. Yeah, yeah, Second yeah. quarter, two runs total, eight pass attempts for Kirk Cousins, two sacks, no surprise, in my opinion. I, I went into the game saying they need to run the ball. They need to give it to Dalvin. A, because Dalvin can always break a big one. So unless you're down by like three touchdowns, I think Dalvin is among your better chances anyway. And that should always be a priority, Leslie. That should always be a priority, getting Dal Cook the ball. Yeah. Early and often. Yeah. Well, and sometimes it's a little bit gross with Dalvin, like where he'll be like, no, we're looking at 2.2 yards a carry. It's not working. But then there's always a big one that, I mean, people in fantasy always say with Dalvin, like, don't watch the game. Just check back. The line will be there at the end of the game. It's just hard to watch because you'll freak out the whole time. But then he's going to bust like a 60 yarder or something like that. And it'll be fine. But for me, strategically in this one, the biggest reason you had to go to Dalvin was what we saw play out. Like, you cannot let Micah Parsons pin his ears back and come after you, especially with Kirk Cousins under pressure and uh, clean pocket stats being like they're Zach Wilson-esque. Like he's a totally different quarterback when he's under pressure. And so how do you neutralize that pressure? You run the ball. So I don't understand. I felt like they panicked a little bit and started yeah. throwing the ball in a situation yeah. that clearly did not favor them. Like, you know, yes, you have Justin Jefferson. You want to get him the ball because he's a stud. We all know okay. he's a stud. That's not the best way to win this game in this specific matchup. Yeah, I mean, no, I, I agree. I, I, I said it. I think you got to be very intentional on getting that. I mean, Dow cook the football as much as possible, as early as often as you can. I mean, he's just that good. He'll, he'll, you give it to him enough. It's, it's like he's, he gets better as he goes, as he goes, as he goes, and then that opens up things for the for the wide receivers out on the perimeter. But they've been so good on the perimeter, so it's it's easy to get back to what you feel like you've been doing really well. And yeah. 
Um, and we saw that with O'Connell. He, he likes to, he, he's like McVay. They like to throw the ball. <laughs> they like to throw the ball <laughs> for sure. But Dallas, though, you got to give all credit, though, to Dallas. I mean, they were, I mean, they were, they were locked in. They, they held the Vikings one of 11 on third downs, Lindsay. They can't stay on the field. Yeah, no. The, 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 the Vikes couldn't even stay on the field to even sustain some of the stuff that we're talking about in terms of running the football, looking for Dal Cook, Thielen, and those guys. Uh, Hawkinson as well. They couldn't stay on the field. One of 11 on third downs is a credit to the Dallas Cowboys, which, which, which is, if, again, if Dallas continues to play at this pace and then if potentially they like Odell and they bring in Odell and Odell is health, healthy and he's going. Oh, and my God, Odell. And bring him into the culture. And, you know, we saw Odell last year. I, I would say, yeah, there is a cause of concern for me because he's coming off of two ACLs, but it doesn't. I don't question his heart and his love for football and his work ethic and his he'll do everything to get himself back to play at a, at a high level. Uh, and then, you know, again, if he's healthy and he's good, he's actually gotten comfortable as he gets comfortable with this offense. That's why I say they need to get him in as soon as possible. If they're going to make the move, Lens, Lindsay, they need to get him in as soon as possible to get him acclimated so you can get that level of play potentially on the back end of the season as they go into playoffs, et cetera. If you were Odell, is that where you would want to go? I, I think Odell wants to go where he can feel, where he feels he can compete for a championship. Mm-hmm. And right now, you know, I, I know Buffalo was in the mix. I don't know if they're still in the mix anymore. I mean, they've had their struggles, but I still think Buffalo is going to be okay. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, I think so. Yeah. The, the cow, the Cowboys are in the mix. They certainly have shown their interest. And like I said, if we see that same Dallas Cowboy team that we saw against the Minnesota Vikings, who was a potential playoff team if i'm odell certainly licking my chops it goes somewhere to compete you got cd lamb michael gallup you you got the two running backs you know got guys around you that that can play and are playing at a high level um and then giants i don't i don't know i don't know if if if, if i'm him if if the giants are a top priority i like the whole deal about going back to where i was drafted and you know maybe healing old wounds but I don't not, think that's yeah not their year. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, I don't think, I don't that's, think it's yeah exactly. It, and 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 the Giants are dealing with a lot of injuries now, particularly oh, yeah. particularly at receiver. So now you you bring Odell in, and now you asking him to be a number one. Who I just sold you is coming yeah. off a of few ACLs. It's got to be a good marriage, a good fit for Odell. And I think right now, collectively, that provides him that comfort and that atmosphere and that environment is the Dallas Cowboys. What about, let me throw another one in the mix here. And this would just be stupid. Uh, what about Kansas City? Oh, no, that would just be ridiculous. I know. But, I mean, you've got Juju's banged up. Mecole is on IR. So, yep. I mean, we went into last night's game being like, hey, Kadarius Tony, Kadarius Tony didn't have a catch. Like, you're looking at the people that they used in the passing game in this win against the Chargers. Obviously, Kelsey is bonkers. Then you've got Justin Wilson, well, Watson, uh, Sky Moore, who hasn't done anything all year long, had six targets and five catches for 63 yards. You're using the tight ends, Gray and Fortson. Um, MVS has four targets. I mean, what if you worked a guy like OBJ into that offense? It, it just gives it just gives Patty Mahomes, Andy Reid, Eric B. another weapon. And again, it's all going to be predicated on how well Odell's health is and how well he's moving. Mm-hmm. I think he can. I think he's smart enough where he'll be able to digest enough offense 
to play. And he plays the X. So it makes it easy, Lindsay, to tag Odell every single play if you want to. You can give the formation to everybody else and you can say X, such and such, Odell. Mm-hmm. And that's the route that he's going to run to get him comfortable with playing within your system. And then you bring on, you add more as it, as he gets more comfortable uh, being around your program. Uh, so, but if he's, if he's healthy and he's rolling well, he'll help anybody. But to go to Kansas City with Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey, you get a healthy McCole Harmon back. You get you got Marquez Valdez Scanlon, who's a 4-3. You get you the tight ends, the two running backs, Eric Hilaire. It's just so much offense. Mm-hmm. That is so much offense that a defense has to prepare for. Um, no, I think he'll make he'll make that Chiefs again, a healthy Odell will make that Chiefs offense even more formidable. It's as well as Dallas, too. I think what Kansas City is doing this year is so impressive. And it's such a strong argument. Like, nobody needed another argument in favor of Patrick Mahomes being as good as he is. But, like, I've had this conversation a lot in the last couple of weeks because people are really excited about what Tua is doing. And I think he is he's playing great. And I don't want to take anything away. But just from a comp standpoint for having an MVP conversation, like the fact that they took Tyreek out of the offense and Patrick Mahomes is that quarterback that elevates everybody around him. Like you can go into that game with the names that I just mentioned in their yeah. passing offense outside Travis Kelsey, like none of those guys that he was throwing to in this game against the Chargers are guys that you have probably, I mean, and I know that this doesn't say everything, but I bet none of those guys have been started in fantasy all year long by anyone. And he, well, beat the, I, and he beat the Chargers who got their receivers back. So it wasn't like bad version yeah. of the Chargers this year, which certainly we've seen. But yeah. like this was a legit Chargers team that they beat last night. He elevates all ships. Like he makes everybody better. He's so stinking good. It's insane. Who else, <laughs> who else do you think is, who else do you like in, like if you're trying to pick a team that is outside of the obvious teams, like the Eagles, the Bills, and the Chiefs have been getting a lot of attention this year. I think that they're certainly built so that they can make a run. And we've seen some flaws for the Eagles um, and the loss of Goddard's huge. We've seen some flaws for the Bills for the last few weeks, but I don't think anyone would be surprised if they, you know, obviously they're going to make it to the playoffs. And then if they make a run in the playoffs, who else do you have your eye on? I like the I like the Dolphins and I like the Dolphins' speed and their ability to attack your offense, your defense, and their ability to score points. Um, Tua is playing phenomenal football. He's got great base within the pocket. Shoulders are level. He's decisive, concise with the football. He knows where he wants to go with a very accurate quarterback. He's got guys on the perimeter um, that can go and get it for him. So I like I like Miami what they're doing, particularly offensively, because they can score. I mean, they can get after you. Um, they've been really good within the division, two and one. They're on a four game winning streak. Um, they can, like I said, they can score points. So the Dolphins pop out to me. Uh, the Ravens, because of Lamar Jackson, they're always going to be in the mix. And then that defense, they bring, they bring in Roquan Smith from Chicago. It's one of the better middle linebackers that we have in our game, young player as well. Um, so I like what the Ravens, I think the Ravens are going to contend. Quad is capped too. The Tennessee Titans. I know. How? How? The Tennessee Titans is, and, and, it's, and it's so Mike Vrabel-ish. And 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 how in the teams that he played for and the tutelage that he got from coaches, it's 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 what that's what we're seeing. A team that's prepared, plays hard, plays physical, try to try to minimize their mistakes and turnovers. They're gonna run the football. Their defense, Jeffrey Simmons in that defense, them boys up front, they're just I mean, they're just as formidable as as we, we talk about the uh 
the, the Cowboys front. We talk about the Jets front, some of these fronts across the league. I mean, this this front for the Tennessee Titans is really, really good. Uh, we saw that against the Kansas City Chiefs. So that's another one, Liz, that pops to mind uh, for me. Um, why this kept is the Tennessee Titans. Now, the thing is, well, yeah, they play well in the regular season. They'll win the conference. And then what do they do in the playoffs? Well, you know, we'll, we'll see. They got it. They'll potentially have another year in. We'll see how that works. But I do know this. They're going to run the football. They're going to be physical. They're going to be tough. They're going to try to minimize their mistakes, try to minimize their mistakes. And they're going to play four quarters. And that's 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 the complexion of who their who their head coach is and Mike Brable. So those are the, those are a couple of teams that come to mind that I think that can compete with Kansas City right now. And Derrick Henry still like we keep waiting for the wheels to fall off. They're not off. They're not off. And he he gets better as the season goes on. Liz, I went down to Tennessee this past fall during training camp. And I was mm-hmm. out there with the NFL legends. I, I work with the NFL uh, legends community as a Southeast region coordinator. And Tennessee is one of my teams. So I went down, spent some time with the legends, watched practice. And Derrick Henry was like, he was in, he was in, he was in uh, mid-season shape to me in, in camp. I came home, I was telling a couple of my buddies, like, Derrick Henry looks amazing. <laughs> and here he is again this year doing amazing things. A lot is expected of him, and he delivers every single week for this team. I am always struck every single time I watch Derrick Henry play that he's like. Willie McGinnis size. Yes. You know the king. Like, he's so freaking big. Huge lens. I thought, you know, Steven Jackson is huge. Steven Jackson is a big man. Willie McGinnis is a big man. I mean, he's st- LeBron James is a big man. He stands up there. I'm you looking at him like this. Like, wow. You marvel yeah. in his, his physical being. Yeah. Like I look at like, like an MGD. Like there's a running back. I mean, yeah. no, he's an extreme version of Ryan. Not to, you know, like, this is a little bit like lower center of gravity than yeah, most so running backs even. But like, I'm like, yep, that's a running back. Like him next to Derrick Henry. It's like, how do they play the same position? What is going on? Well, he's a giant of a giant of a man. And he's, uh, and again, he sets the tone for what they're doing in Tennessee. And right now they're seven and three. Uh, they're three and oh within the division. Um, you know, they've done a pretty decent job on the road this year, winning two, four games on the road. They've been, they've been well at home. Um, so no, I, I think the Titans, man, just quietly going about their business, just trying to get healthier, trying to clean up some things. You saw Trayvon Burks, Trayvon Burks made a few plays yeah. the other night, you know, the rookie who's been up and down being in and out of the lineup a little bit due to some soft injuries that he's been dealing with. So can he continue to get tougher, get firmer? He has playmaking ability. Um, and then. You know, it's, it's going to come down to the QB, obviously, you know, holding it down um, and, and it doing having his responsibilities. But they're going to be right there in the mix. Yeah. Let me ask you, I can't let you uh, go without asking you about wide receivers. So we know like the top guys, right? Everybody is on to Justin Jefferson, CD Lamb, or any of the young guys. Have they impressed you to the point where you're like, this is the next generation of that probably coming? Yes, um, Terry McLaren is one from Washington Commanders. He's outstanding. Um, I think I get like, him a quarterback, man. Like, yeah. right? They well, they they like Heineke. Heineke is Heineke. They Heineke. that's their guy right yeah. now. That's their guy right now, and they have some good chemistry. I will they say they have some good chemistry. You gotta say you gotta give them that. They got some good chemistry going. But Terry McLaren is one who I certainly um, I like. Was a young player. Um, you, you mentioned. Um, 
You mentioned Sky Moore, who's another young up-and-coming talent with the Kansas City Chiefs. He hasn't caught a lot of balls this year, but keep an eye on him. I thought I thought last night against against the Chargers, he gained some more trust from Patty Mahomes. Keep an eye on him. He's a good route runner, low center of gravity, can run double moves, can run every route on the route tree, good hands, good run after the catch. He's another one. Chris Olave. You know, I've been hearing the Torrey Holt Chris Olave comparisons over the last couple of weeks. And then yesterday I was watching the game against the Rams and he splits Jalen Ramsey and, and Taylor Rapp and makes them like they standing still. And Jonathan uh, Velma, who was calling the game, says, you know, he has a lot of Tory Holtish in him, a lot of Tory Holt in him. How do you feel about like, that? Man, I was like, I've been hearing this over the last couple of weeks. But while, while I was sitting there watching him, Liz, and he ran a route the other day where he ran, he was in a nasty split. And he ran like he ran diagonal up the field. Um, and he just stopped in the middle of the field and he came back to the ball and he caught it with his hands and he got tackled. And I was like, that look a lot like me. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I was like, I've been hearing his name and my, and my name together. And then I'm watching him play yesterday. I'm like, I can see some of the similarities, the body length, the body movement, the control, the speed, the good hands, the understanding of the routes. As a rookie, he's, he's playing at a pretty, pretty high clip. So those are a couple guys, um, Liz, for, that, that that comes to mind for me. For Olave, is there anything that you see now that you see some similarities that you would be like, you know what, here's what I would coach him up on. Like, this is the way that he takes his game to the next level. Or have you not seen enough of him? To I haven't, I haven't seen enough of him yet. But what I would okay. say to him, if, if I had anything, and I say this to all my wide receivers, get off the ball. Like, come off that ball like there's fire in your butt, like there's a rocket in your butt. Like, get off the ball. Because what that does is that softens the defense for you. Uh, it allows you to get to your route depths when you want to. It allows you to set up other things, um, double moves. Um, so that is what I would say to him. Get off the ball. If you're receiving, you're listening to this show right now, get off the ball. Right fire now. Fire butt. Yeah, fire butt. <laughs> One more guy I want to ask you about, George Pickens. Didn't make that list. I like he's George, a guy, though. He's a guy who I keep waiting for it. I like George. He's making, like, his catch to crazy catch ratio is so high, mm-hmm. right? Like, he doesn't have that many catches, but I feel like half of the catches he's made this year have been like, what? Right. Like, that part of his game is going to always be there because he's just that kind of athlete. He just has that kind of makeup as an athlete. He's 6'3", 6'4", he's long. Um, so, and he's just an athletic freak, but I'm not with George every day. So I would just be curious and to see what his habits are daily oh. of becoming a great wide receiver. You mentioned the splash plays, the one he can do those in his sleep, but it's the other things about the game that I want to see George continue to develop at running, running routes when he's not the primary. Mm-hmm. Is he setting guys up in the run game? Um, how is he seeing and viewing, viewing coverage? Is he getting off the ball with a lot of speed and regularity? So it's just little things like that I would like to see about George. But I do like his potential. I do like his athletic prowess. But I want to see more of him to see if he develops into that some of that true wide receiver that we see with Devontae Adams and, and some of the other guys, some of the elite wide receivers. Can he get to that point? Corey, you're the best. You're Thank the best. You so much for your time. Thank you, love, always.
Ori Holt. You can follow him on Twitter at AllHands81, and you can hear him on SiriusXM NFL Radio Tuesday mornings on Opening Drive, 7 to 10 a.m. Eastern, Channel 88. And then he is also on SiriusXM ACC Radio on Fridays from 8 to 11 a.m. Eastern, and that is Channel 371. One more game to go in Week 11 coming up tonight on Monday Night Football. Niners Cardinals in Mexico City. We'll see how that one goes, and we will discuss on Wednesday's pod. Really excited to welcome JT O'Sullivan to the show for that one, as there's been so much debate this year about certain quarterbacks, and you guys know he is a really good evaluator of quarterback play, grinds the tape, posts really good breakdowns on YouTube for his channel, The QB School. You should check it out. I'm interested to hear his thoughts on Tua this year, uh, Herbert also, Allen in the last few weeks, and how about Justin Fields? I'm very much looking forward to that conversation. I'm also going to be putting out on Wednesday, later in the day, my Fantasy 15 episode for the week. Normally that comes out on Fridays, but with all the games coming up on Thursday on Thanksgiving, I think it makes more sense to get ahead of the curve. And also I kind of just want to be a human on Friday and hang out with my family. So that's what the rest of the week looks like here. As always, I very much appreciate you listening and welcome your feedback. My Twitter handle is Lindsay underscore Rhodes. I am Lindsay Rhodes NFL on Instagram. And I finally had something to post there on Sunday. I'm not a big like selfie person. Um, so Instagram, I don't know if I knock that particular medium out of the park, but I had a game experience there. It was fun taking pictures of uh, what I was seeing um, at the Chargers-Chiefs game and also sideline stalking my buddy, Melissa Stark, and fangirling on her as she did her thing for Sunday Night Football. And holy moly, how has she not been on this podcast yet? We are going to make that happen. It's just been a scheduling thing so far, but... I will make her come on. Anyway, the producer of today's episode is Christopher Tyler. Big thanks to him. Thanks to Tori for coming on. The NFL Roadshow is part of the SiriusXM Sports Podcast Network. And I'll see you back here again on Wednesday. SiriusXM Podcasts.